Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. I'm your host, Dr. Alan, and I'm so glad to be with you today as we follow one investor's story of scaling from 2,000 to 6,500 pads in just two years. Jeff Cook lives and breathes commercial real estate. Jeff finds great fulfillment in the transformation of underperforming properties resulting in a very attractive product. Jeff graduated with high honors from Binghampton University with a master's degree in public administration and started his career as a project manager for a market research company. He began purchasing multifamily properties in Rochester, New York in 1997 and purchased his first mobile home park in 2008. So, Jeff, take us into the show and share a memorable experience that helps shape who you are today. Sure. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, since we're talking about real estate, I got I to talk about an, an investment experience. So, since we, we started raising capital here probably about five or six years ago, and we had one property that we had purchased actually outside of Binghamton where, where I went to um, grad school. And the, positive, the negative and the positive of it was that we didn't raise enough capital, which of course was the negative. The positive was that we'll never do that again. So always, ma- always make sure we have enough capital, capital up front. So we're very, we're very conservative in our underwriting, not only for our capital raise, but also for our, our income and expenses. So that was a very uh, a learning experience. And it was a, a very um, unpleasant feeling to have to go back to investors to, uh, to ask for more money. So the learning experience is that we, again, we make sure that we're very conservative in our underwriting and make sure that we raise enough capital up front. Yeah, that is, that had to be a humbling experience. It was. I'm sure investors just don't seem to appreciate those kinds of of surprises. No, no. No. Well, tell us about doing the right thing. And when you say that, what do you mean by that? Doing the right thing. So uh, what do they say? Integrity is doing the right thing when no one is looking. And and for us, you know, I mean, that's, that happens every day. Um, you know, we're dealing with, with uh, like we said, with people's money. We're dealing with the residents. And, uh, you know, there's always, uh, I don't we don't look for them. But, I mean, as we know, there's a lot of, uh, let's say, shady people that seem to get attracted to real estate. So there's obviously opportunity for underhandedness. And we just always, again, you know, I know it sounds a little trite, but we always just, we always, we always do the right thing. I have to sleep, at, I have to sleep at night. I sleep very well most nights. I mean, that's because we do do the right thing. And, and probably most importantly, I have to be able to look myself in the mirror and uh, look look at my kids and my wife. So kind of the small test for us is is if, I'm not, if I couldn't tell my, kid, my kids about it, my son and my daughter, it's not the right thing to do. Jeff, take us on this journey, this two-year journey, essentially from 2,000 pads to 6,500 pads. So yeah, so about two, three years ago, we, like you said, we had a couple thousand pads. We had closed, we had just closed it was the summer of 2019 on a 500 pad portfolio here in the Rochester area. $20 million deal. We needed to raise about $6 million and it went very well and very, and very quick and easy. So I figured if it was easy to raise $6 million, well, it should be pretty easy to raise twenty. <laughs> so I, so we, op- we opened up a fund where we wanted to buy mobile home parks in the um, New York State, Pennsylvania area. And we ended up just buying them in the New York State area. But what turned out to be relatively easy in my, in my planning ended up taking a little bit longer than than we thought. 
So we did end up raising 26 million. It took us about nine months. And then from start to finish, it was about 12 months from when we bought, when we raised our first dollar to when we closed the fund. After that one, they added another 1,500 pads across 12 parks. So we're kind of, we're in that 3,500, 4,000 neighborhood. We're in the midst of closing on the last properties for that fund. And I approached the seller. We had bought two parks from the prior spring about buying the rest of his portfolio. And he had another 2,500 pads. And he said, well, yeah, send me an offer. And lo and behold, we went under under contract. So we just closed on that deal back in April. And so now we're up to about 6,500 pads, 100 parks throughout New York State. We probably should have started hiring some more senior people when, when we were working on the fund back around 2020, early 2021. We didn't. So we kind of got a little bit behind the eight ball. So that's another thing I've learned is to hire early, even if your staff has to, maybe they're not super busy right away, but just to kind of get them ingrained in our culture and get, get them ingrained in our business to really know, you know, how it is that we like to run things instead of bringing them on when it's a little bit late. And, you know, I was kind of running around a little bit, you know, a little bit crazy, like, you know, chick, you know, uh, like uh, chickens without, you know, with their heads cut off. So that that's certainly one of the things I've learned with scaling. It, hurt, it hurts the pocketbook a little bit because you got to pay that payroll. And sometimes there's not, the revenue isn't coming in quite yet to cover that payroll. So, but it's, it's been quite a ride where we're still we're very much, very much in the midst of it, but we are seeing signs of progress and uh, we do see lights at the end of, end of the tunnel. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. That sounds like quite an endeavor. So this was your first experience with a fund. Are you going to continue working from a fund or are you going to go back to the process of individual syndication? Yeah, we'll do both. Um, We certainly learned a lot about, about the fund and just, you know, you know, different calculations, of course, and, you know, setting it up with, uh, with different investors and, you know, everyone having different preferred returns, you know, based on when they came into the fund. So I was a little nervous about that, but now that we've done it, you know, it's just, it's just a matter of formulas and a spreadsheet. So it's much simpler than I actually thought it, it would be. It just has to be the right deals for us to put into a fund. Not a huge fan of a blind fund, maybe a semi-blind fund, which is kind of what our fund kind of morphed into because we did have some properties and then we added some more. The one fund we are thinking about doing here in the next couple of years is a land development fund where we would develop uh, brand new mobile home parks on land that we acquire. Tell us about this industry of mobile home park investing. Sure. Why why is it that you have chosen that industry to focus on? Yeah, so we I started off in the apartment business back in late 90s, early 2000s. I sold all those around 2007, 2008, and then started working my way into the uh, mobile home park uh, industry. I, I love it. It's, it's a great business. We feel very fortunate to be involved in it. We're not only are we, um, I'm, we're capitalists at heart. I, I am and, and everyone here at our, at our company is. But at the same time, while being, while being uh, capitalists, we can also provide a really good product to our residents. And most of our residents are, are of lower income. So for them, af- affordable housing is such an important part of their, not only of their lives, of their, their budget. So we're, we're really happy to be able to assist them to attain, you know, the quote unquote American dream and, and have a house. Beyond that, you know, the, the residents, they are, you know, some investors like to call them sticky. You know, residents do not move very often from mobile home parks because of the expense of moving. Uh, so we like it for that for that matter. Also, residents that own their homes as compared to rent tend to take much better care of their homes. So we, we like that aspect of the business also. They also tend to be much better uh, rent payers than, than typical uh, renters. And when I'm comparing them to typical renters, we like to compare apples to apples. So it'd be, you know, a, a three-star mobile home park would be similar to, you know, maybe a high class C, low class B 
uh, apartment complex. So we, we just find that owners have better better payment uh, better payment histories and take better care of their homes than, than non-owners. Do any of your parks, do you own the homes in any of your parks? We do. We do. We own about 20, 20 to 25% of our portfolio are, are homes that are owned by the parks themselves. So we, we try, we always turn them over. Uh, we do rent some on, you know, historical basis. Um, but, you know, it just, it just happens where residents sell their homes back to us or sometimes they abandon them. Uh, sometimes we bring brand new homes in. And we, we just decided to rent, a, rent some and sell, sell all of them. What is the approximate age of the park-owned homes? They vary. For the most part, our average is probably going to be early 2000s, um, 2005. Over the past few years, we've, brought, we've probably brought in about 500 brand new homes throughout our portfolio. So we use those to either um, go on vacant lots or to replace older homes that, we ha- that we've had demoed um, over the past well, what is the the major downside uh, to mobile home park investing? The major downside. It's a good question. I can't say. I know there's got to be something, but I can't think of anything <laughs> that's like a major, major downside. Well, yeah, I know. What the, you know what the major downside is, doctor? Is that there's not enough deals out there for us to get our hands on. You know, equity is not not really an issue these days. It's more uh, finding good deals, and you know that's just the way it is. The, the, the secrets out. It's very. They are. It's very competitive uh, purchasing mobile home parks. So I guess that's kind of the, the downside. Um, I wish I bought a lot more back in. 2008, 2009, 2010, but uh, that's <laughs> how life goes, right? Yeah, don't we all? Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. So do you? So are your parks in rural areas? Are they in metro areas? Uh, what's your criteria on that? Yeah, we really we try to stick close to the metro areas. Um, you know, with that being said, we do have some parks that are are rural, but for the most part, you know, most of what we own is kind of as long major high close to major highways in major metropolitan areas of uh you know fifty thousand people or more that's what we're looking for now most of our current assets do fit that criteria but my first park i bought up in the north country of new york state in a town called sandy creek with three thousand people and uh, we still own it and it's a great park it's on it's 30 33 pads we, it's on 50 acres so we could do a big expansion but again how, how much are we going to expand it with three you know three thousand people in the area so but yeah we did definitely do like to stay in the major metropolitan areas uh and, and also to the secondary you know secondary markets even tertiary, as long as it's, you know, 50,000 and above. What about sewage systems as opposed to septic systems? Very similar. We, we do prefer, prefer all public utilities, public water and public sewer, but we do have experience owning uh, pri- uh, parks with private utilities. And right now we're probably about, probably about 40% of our portfolio has private utilities. Oh, really? Okay. Yep, yep. Those can run into major expenses, and I suppose you're, you're prepared for those kind of expenses, and you never know when they're going to come. Also, the private water, aren't there a lot of regulations in conjunction with maintaining those private water systems? Yeah, so for the private wells, we do have to test on a daily basis to make sure the water is safe. We, we, uh, we submit monthly the readings to our, to our local health departments. And they, they, of course, they have the jurisdiction uh, and the authority to monitor the, the private systems. Um, so, yeah, there are some regulations, but, you know, something that we're, we're used to. 
And, uh, you know, we just take care of it on a daily basis. Major expenses are going to be with the private systems where if you could have like a well issue or a septic issue, and those need to be uh, repaired or or hopefully not replaced. But again, we have had to do that in the past. So it does happen. Well, Jeff, what about the management of your parks? Is it difficult to find um, managers? Uh, how do you do that? How do you train them? How do you maintain them? And so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, as you know, I mean, right now the labor market is a little on the tighter side, but, you know, we're still, we've been able to maintain as far as what we have and bring on new people as, as needed. We have all of our office and finance staff are here at our headquarters here in Rochester. Overall, we have 125 employees throughout New York State. About 50, 60 of them are administrative uh, administrative staff. The rest are either on-site managers or uh, maintenance uh, maintenance staff. Our on-site managers, um, again, those we try to get them to live in the live in the parks where they operate, uh, but many times they just it, it doesn't work out that way. So they may live close by and just help us to maintain the park, do the snow plowing, grass cutting, general maintenance, uh, serving uh, violation notices, uh, and the such. We do have a standard training uh, protocol for our on-site managers and for our, our, our regional property managers here, at, again, at headquarters. So you you do you use property management companies? We do not. We do not use any third parties. Uh, we do it all ourselves. Did you start out with that? or No. We, we As we scaled, we were actually able to just add employees as needed. Um, we've always done our own our own management. We just feel like we can be closer to the to the pulse and closer to the boots on the ground doing it ourselves. I'm thinking it would be difficult to find a good uh, property manager for parks. Uh, not, it's not too, too many, bad. Not too many specialize in that. I no, mean, a, no, a, a third party. I mean, no. Yeah, I agree. There's uh, we we really try to find people. Uh, you know, park experience is 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 uh, of, of course great, but it is very specialized. So we are able to transition people that come from the apartment business also. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. Well, your uh, success has, of course, relied upon uh, consistent hard work. What do you mean by that, Jeff? Uh, really, just just like it says, you know, I, I never take no for an answer and just keep pushing forward. Um, we, uh, there's, there's never a failure. If, if something has given us a hard time or we're running up against issues, um, again, it's not a fail, a failure unless we stop trying. Um, so we, sometimes we have, a, have to pivot a little bit. Um, uh, maybe we don't, we don't quite get everything that we wanted or needed, but it's close enough to call it a, to call it a win. Well, you have quite a team. So you've had a lot of experience uh, with hiring people what is it that you look for when you're hiring new people good character um we, we obviously check references of course which is very important um rochester itself is a is a town of a million people but it's in essence it's very small um we can usually get to uh get get some name recognition of, of people that we're looking to uh hire within one or two uh, phone calls, which is nice. Personality, you know, I, I and all the other senior leaders uh, from the leadership team, we spend a lot of time at work and, you know, oftentimes, you know, time away from our family. So we, we want to make sure that we all get, get along well and uh, gel together um, and, and make sure that we all enjoy working with each other. Um, so, so that's very important. Culture fit is very important. You know, some of the attributes that we talked about previously, we want to make sure that that our our senior leaders are also on board with, with those too. What do you mean by humble confidence? We've done very well over the, we've done very well over the years, and and you know all of us here we're very confident in our in our abilities. But at the same time, we want to be we want to be humble in that. Um, it's just it's it's a it's a mantra that I I have expressed over the years that uh, you know we, we don't like arrogance. Um, again, we you know 
humbly confident and just uh, let our actions speak for our, um, you know, for speak for our success. You had talked about development. Yep. What is the difference between actually developing a park and purchasing an existing park? Oh man, quite a bit. Um, so, you know, an existing park, you know, we obviously love them. We love to add them to our portfolio. You know, they generally have, uh, you know, have cash flow coming in right off the bat. And if they're not, you know, breaking even or uh, producing a positive cash flow, um, they will in the very, very near future. We generally will not buy anything that doesn't have positive cash flow upfront. With development, of course, we're, we're taking a piece of land that has nothing on it. So, you know, up in New York State, we're looking about, you know, approximately 12 months just to get our, our permits and then another 12 months to do the infrastructure roughly. So we could be five years before that park is uh, is up and running and stabilized. So it's just a, it's a much heavier lift. We need much more patient capital. But once we get that get that done and we get a, a stabilized park, it, there's a significant value that we've added to that that piece of land, not only for ourselves, again, as uh, capitalists, but for, for the affordable housing that's uh, being mapped by that by that park. And there is a growing demand for affordable housing. And I can't see the, the mobile home park uh, industry declining in any, in any short-term fashion. No. So you're looking at from uh, five years until it starts uh, cash flowing. Yeah, um, approximately, yeah. Yeah. And have you, have you done a development before? We have not. We've done a lot of expansions where we have um, existing land. Uh, either adjacent or uh, as part of a current uh, mobile home park, and so we've developed that into new to new pads. We have about three or four uh, parcels right now that we are still working on getting permits for, and then once we get those, we'll start start to the uh, development process. And we're also looking to do the same thing down in actually your neck of the woods, there, kind of Georgia, uh, Georgia, South Carolina area. Um, for some new development projects also. So you actually have had really development experience. It's just not on a, a totally complete uh, Correct. plot. Yeah. Correct. Yep. Yep. Very similar processes, just, you know, a touch different because mm-hmm. we don't, we don't have that entitlement right away, which is the, is sometimes the difficult process. When you go into these municipalities, are you running into resistance with uh, county officials, uh, permitting officials that, uh, that just don't want to see mobile home parks in their communities. Yeah, we do. We definitely run into some resistance. A lot of it is a uh, is a matter of reeducation and, and trying to get rid of the stereotypes. Typical thing we get is, you know, hey, we don't want to we don't want a trailer park in our backyard, and, and our um, our response is neither do we. Let us show let us show you what we're gonna what we're gonna build for you. Brand new mobile home parks now. They don't look like mobile home. They don't look like mobile home parks that we own now. We we own a few that are you know super nice and brand new. But those the newer ones you can't tell. They they look like a regular subdivision with uh, you know sidewalks, you know paved roads, gutters, and and homes that look you know very similar to patio homes. So so on on your older parks are are most of them paved? They have sidewalks, or you put those in, or if they don't, you just kind of leave them as they are. How are you dealing with that? Yeah, very few. I mean, they have sidewalks from the road to the house, but very few have uh, street sidewalks. Um, all of our roads are paved, though. Yep. Do you purchase them that way, or is that something you just take care of afterwards? Um, for the most part, most of them are paved. That is another big expense at some point. If they have been paved, they may need to be repaved. But for the most part, they're, they're, they're paved already when we buy them. Jeff, tell us how we can get in touch with you and what you have to offer. Yeah, um, so you can reach me at uh, Jeff Cook at cookpropertiesny.com. That's uh, J-E-F-F-C-O-O-K at cookpropertiesny.com. Uh, you can also feel free to call me at 
233-4699. We are constantly offering new uh, mobile home park syndications and uh, and deals. We have a few right now that we're working on. We always run uh, 506C uh, syndications. Um, so we're always happy to talk to talk to any potential investors, let them know what's going on and uh, put them on our, our investor list. Jeff, it's been a pleasure having you today. Wealth of information. Thank you for being with us. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you. You too. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.